So uh, Robert, college football season finally starts, right? Tonight? <laughs> I was just kidding. Uh, I love college football season, and uh, one of my favorite quotes is about college football season. And uh, it sort of goes with our, uh, our topic today. What I want to talk about today is rest, because tomorrow is laborless day. Uh, it's odd, ironic that they call it Labor Day, but we don't work. But uh, my favorite quote about college football season is that there are 22 people on the field who desperately need rest and 95,000 in the stands who desperately need exercise. <laughs> so today is the day before Labor Day, the unofficial official end of summer. Stop having fun. Uh, school starts tomorrow in some places. Believe it or not, it is a Wisconsin state law to uh, not start school before Labor Day. And that would be great, except just remember one word when thinking about moving to Wisconsin, winter. In New Orleans, it used to be that uh, school didn't start till after Labor Day. And I actually remember when they were trying to make the transition to the ridiculously early start that you guys have to endure these days. And, uh, and, and it was so entrenched in New Orleans that you didn't start school before Labor Day that in that, those years of transition, classes would be mostly empty. They, they would go ahead and start school and teach and everything, but the mamas wouldn't send their kids to school because school doesn't start until after Labor Day. And Judy pointed out that now there are two kinds of mamas in New Orleans, those who are desperately glad that school is finally starting and those who wish it never would. So we're not working on Labor Day. Do you know that the origin of that holiday comes from exactly that, a labor strike? So we get Labor Day because people refuse to go to work. Back in the 18-whenever, it was uh, a strike by the uh, Pullman Rail Car Company, which was sort of a quiet thing until all of the railroad people nationwide joined in and rail traffic ground to a halt. It was the first time in the history of labor that the government sent in troops. It was actually a violent end to the strike. And as a gesture toward a, uh, an attaboy towards the labor movement, President Grover Cleveland declared that the first Monday in September would be Labor Day, where we actually get a day off. So it is the official end of summer. Stop having fun. And today I want to talk about rest. I want to talk about what it, uh, what it is that it means if we actually did take a Labor Day and sort of call it a spiritual Labor Day. Let's see what's up there. Here you go. The amount of sleep required by the average person is five more minutes. Back in Genesis, God uh, decided that we would have a mandate to rest. And he modeled it for us. He said uh, uh, that uh, the heavens and the earth were created. You, you know the story, a uh, seven-day kind of thing, six days he created, and then on the seventh day he rested. 
Now, we all know that God didn't really need to do that, that uh, the psalm says he doesn't slumber, he doesn't sleep, he's, he's all-powerful, he's all-knowing, he's all-aware, he's all-everything, and, and that he didn't really need to rest. So, kind of a question that I want to knuckle with a little bit today is to go, why did he tell us to rest? Why did he rest? So, here's the deal. Our patterns of work and rest are what we know to be true about ourselves and God. We, we, we understand that He has made our bodies in a way that we need rest, and so He modeled that for us. Well, then over in Exodus, He repeats that uh, whole thing. And in Exodus chapter 20, and I don't know if you kind of know where that is, but in, in Exodus, they, the, the, the creation story has given way to the patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And now there is a, a need for the Hebrew people to establish their own land, and they are traveling towards that land. God has delivered them out of slavery in Egypt, and now they are headed for what they know to be the promised land. And so, He's sort of restating the things they need to know. And in that restatement in Exodus chapter 20, he says this, remember the Sabbath day. Keep it holy. It's really interesting because we know this passage as the Ten Commandments, right? When, when Moses is saying, here are the ten things you need to really remember, and he gives don't murder just one line. He gives, don't commit adultery, just one line. Don't covet, one line. Remember the Sabbath, he talks about for about three paragraphs. Because apparently it's this, this really big deal, and, and it made me wonder why. So then I, I, I kind of crossed back and forth between Genesis when, when he said it the first time, when he said, I rested after six days, and then in Exodus 20 when he tells us to rest, and I said, what is it that's such a big deal about this? Why did he instruct us to rest? One, to imitate him. He rested. He didn't have to, but he did his work, and, and then he called an end to his work, and, and he rested, and he reflected. And, and again, God didn't have to do all that. But one of the things that I think he did in order uh, to, to help us is to let us have something to imitate. I think he did it to help us remember him. In Exodus, when he says that, he says, remember the Sabbath and keep it holy because the Lord created and then he rested. So we are to remember his creation. If you skip over a couple of chapters, a couple of books to the book of Deuteronomy, he says this again. He, he talks about rest again. But he says it for a different reason. He said, you are to remember the Sabbath and keep it holy because I have delivered you out of Egypt. So in Exodus, he says, one of the reasons that you remember the Sabbath, you remember to rest. And by the way, rest is, is not just laying on the couch and taking a nap, although I highly recommend it on Sunday afternoons. Watch golf if you need help. But on this idea of rest is a change of rhythm. Yeah, that's, that's what he means by keeping it holy, keeping it separate, a, a change of pace, a change of, of activity. Some of you 
rest by doing yard work. You do. You rest by doing yard work. I want to give you my address to, to help you in your quest. But, but the, the idea is not just go comatose or do nothing, but to change your rhythm. Let, let your rhythm focus on something besides work. And so this, this idea of Sabbath, God said, I did it, imitate me. God said, I did it, remember me. Remember that I created everything. Remember that I saved you, that I redeemed you. For the Hebrew children is that I, I saved you out of slavery. For you and I, if we follow Jesus as our personal Savior, that means that we have been delivered out of our own sin. So he says, when you observe the Sabbath, when you take some rest, when you change your rhythm, when you change your routine, imitate me and remember me. But maybe there's another part to it. Maybe he's also telling us, depend on me. You know, our work tends to be our, our idol for some of us. Some of us, we, we, we work and, and it becomes sort of a badge. I work this many hours a week. I, I, some bosses walk into the office and say, I can outwork anybody here. Old men are particularly arrogant about how much they can still work. And it, it becomes this idol sort of thing, that, that our work becomes our idol, and when you think about that really closely, whether you are a, a student or, or entering into the workforce or you've been in it a little while or maybe you're in the twilight and headed for retirement, it's, it's kind of the same thing. If our work is our idol, then we have depended on our own efforts and not on the greatness of God. We're not remembering Him in creation. We're not remembering Him in salvation. We are, we are trusting in our own efforts. And then there's another side to that. Too, too many of us value ourselves based on our work. In other words, our productivity is a measure of our worth. And God says, that's, that's not really what I'm about here. Do you remember what Paul said about that in Ephesians? He said, it is by grace you are saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, even the faith that you have is a, is a gift of God, lest anyone should boast, lest we should brag about how hard we worked in order to get God's favor, how much we worked in order to please God, how we were less sinful than the person next to us, so we deserve something more than they do. It's a, it, when it becomes about work, it takes the focus off God, and we no longer depend on Him for everything. We depend on our own efforts. And he said, that's no good. And so we, we understand that he told us to imitate him. He told us to uh, remember him. He told us to depend on him. So I have a question for you. Why do we resist it so much? Why is it that we resist rest? Now, some of you are thinking, I know what you're thinking, I would love to rest. I'm not resisting it at all. That afternoon nap sounds like a good plan. But the truth is that especially when we are younger, we resist rest. And one of the reasons is FOMO, fear of missing out. 
We're afraid that something's going to happen while we're unplugging, while we're going off grid, while we're stepping away from the rat race, while we're, we're, we're just taking a, a little vacay from the chaos, that something's going to happen that we will miss out. Somebody's going to need me. What if this happens? What if this happens? And, and sometimes in my mind, I, I replay the 40-plus the, the years of ministry that I've experienced. And, and in the early days, if somebody needed you, they either wrote you a letter or they called you. Now, we were sort of reflecting back on Judy, the small town we lived in when we were first married, you only had to dial four numbers, so it wasn't that hard. But they had to write a letter, find a stamp, put the stamp on the letter, go to the post office or put it in the mailbox, wait for somebody to come pick it up, then they take it away, and then in a couple of days, well, back then a couple of days, it would show up. And there would be no expectation of a response. And now I get a text at 3 o'clock in the morning, and somebody thinks by 3.30 they're going to have a response. Because we're in a, a FOMO kind of world. We resist rest because we're afraid we're going to miss something. Again, we resist rest because we value based on our productivity I love this. Rather than rest and gravitate toward constant motion, let's experiment a little bit with letting go. What if we're not valued based on our work? What if there are other things that, 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 can, that can come into our world that would give us value? What if our value is how we give away to others? What if our value is how we're available for others? What if our, our value is based on something besides our work? Now, before anybody feels bad about that, the Bible is full of stories that, that tell us that men have struggled with this, women have struggled with this forever. Elijah was one of the major Old Testament prophets, and he worked and he worked and he worked and he worked till he was absolutely exhausted. And finally, the, the Lord sent him to a cave and said, you just take it easy. I'll let the birds bring you food. You, you need rest. The human body needs rest. One point in time, Joshua, another hero of the Old Testament, he, he prayed for the sun to said, stand still. Give me a few more hours in the day so that I can do more. Well, the story in the New Testament is that Jesus was walking with his disciples one time, and it happened to be a Sabbath day, and I'll, I'll explain that in a second. And uh, they picked some grain from the stalks that were in the field, which was perfectly legal. It was called gleaning. And they snacked on the grain as they walked through the field. And some of the religious teachers said, you're, you're not resting. You're not observing Sabbath. You're disobeying God. He said, remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. And we've already said that's a, that's a good thing. Our, our bodies need rest. We need a, a change in rhythm. We need a change in routine. We, we, we need what he told us to do. But somehow these religious leaders had turned this into a wonky upside down sort of deal. I don't know if any of you have ever been to Israel, but if you go to Israel on a Sabbath day, and you walk into an elevator, I hope you're not in a hurry. 
because it's going to stop automatically on every floor so that you don't have to work so hard as to push a button. The, the, the idea that a Sabbath is, is something, now we create a whole bunch of rules that define work, define what you're able to do, define what you're not able to do. All of a sudden, we're not changing rhythm at all. All of a sudden, we're, we're right back in the, in the work mentality that if I do this, I get this. If I do this, I do this. If I get this, I get this. If I don't do this, I don't get that. And Jesus said to, to the people who criticized his disciples for picking some grain, he said, don't you get it? Man was not made for the Sabbath, but the Sabbath was made for the man. That our rest, our, our ability to change rhythm, God knew we needed that. God, and yes, I, th- I think church is a great part of that. But sometimes I, I feel like I need to repent for some of the things that we've turned church into, where it's get the kids ready, get up, go, go, go. We're going to be late. We're going to miss this. Uh, do I have the casserole? Or where's the, where's the stuff of the, wait a minute, the kids don't have shoes on. That one doesn't have pants on. And all of a sudden, church has become this frenetic chaos that it was never meant to be. And so we... We, we understand that He made Sabbath for us. He, he commanded Sabbath for us. He modeled Sabbath for us. And Labor Day is not a bad time to think about the fact that maybe we need to change the rhythm a little bit. And I'm not just talking about once a week. Okay, I, I, I love church. Okay, I love being here. I, I, I told you all after Aaron died that I, I needed to be back here, uh, back here with people. Because this is where I find energy. This is where I find rest. This is where I find the fellowship that I need for whatever it is that God has given me. But what if we were to think of that rest as maybe every day? Some of the older Quakers and, and religious groups, they, they used to do this three times a day. They had morning prayers, they had noon prayers, they had evening prayers. And the idea is that, that sometime during the day, or maybe multiple times during the day, we step back and we go, I'm going to put everything on pause for a minute. I'm going to park everything for a minute. One of the more popular business books written by a Christian businessman last year, he suggested that, that maybe even if we're at the office, we close our door and we shut off all communications for 30 minutes in the middle of the day just to reconnect with God, just to let that be holy, let our work be holy, let our families be holy, let our projects be holy, let our rhythm be holy. And a lot of times we've talked about a morning quiet time or a morning devotion that before anything else happens in the day, I need to just step back and think about what God is doing in me this day. I, a personal word, I wasn't planning to say this, but Robert and then finished early, so I got time. <clears throat> I'm thinking that we have to back away and think about what God is doing. And I was reading in Joshua where at the very end of Joshua Joshua challenges all the people of Israel. He says, choose this day whom you will serve. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. 
And forever I've looked at that verse, choose this day whom you will serve, and that the, the emphasis on, on whom you will serve, the emphasis on God, the inter- emphasis on Him against the world. But if we flip that a little bit and we say, choose this day, choose this day, choose Monday, choose on Tuesday, choose on Wednesday, choose each day whom you will serve, because it really is a daily choice. And for me, I have to step back in the mornings and step back in the evenings because my head is going to get cluttered with all the stuff that clutters yours. Sabbath is made for us, not us for the Sabbath. One more thing. Sabbath is about relational rest. Now, by this, I mean that it's not just a matter of a, a Zen kind of experience where you, you, you stop doing what you're doing and meditate or whatever. That's fine. It's good. It's needed. But what all of this is really doing is calling us to rest in Jesus. He's calling us to a relationship. He's, he's calling us to a way of life that trusts that there's something bigger than ourselves. Yes, God modeled it. Imitate Him. Yes, God told us to remember. Remember that He created us. Remember that He delivered us. Yes, He, he told us not to define our worth by our work. But He called us in the midst of all of that to himself. Shelby Miller said it's not perfect, resting perfectly, it's resting in the one who is perfect. Jesus said it this way. He was having a discussion about what it means to, to be saved and what it means to be in relationship with God. And he ended, he said, just come to me. And interestingly enough, in context, he'd been praying to God and talking to God about all things. And now he turns to those who would listen. He said, you guys, come to me if you're heavy laden. Come to me if you need Sabbath. Come to me if you need rest. Don't trust in the self-help. Don't trust in the retreat. Don't trust in, in herbs. Don't trust in, don't trust in, don't trust. Trust in me and only me. And it occurred to me that this is kind of what Paul said when he said, for by grace are you saved. It's, it's, it's the unmerited favor that we have in Jesus. And so now I kind of put it in, in context. Jesus says, come to me in Sabbath once a week as you worship. Okay. It's a good reminder that when we come into this room and we sing the songs and and we hear the words and we read the Scripture and we catch up with our friends, Jesus says, come to me. He says, come to me when we need a reminder that our value is not on us, but our value is on Him, not work, but worship. The context here. Jesus was talking to God. He says, I acknowledge that you're God over everything. I acknowledge that the wise people think they understand you, but they don't. The children aren't sure they understand you, but they do. I acknowledge that that, that no one comes to you except through me, and nobody understands me except for you. And then he turns to the audience. He said, so come to me. 
Your, your burden is heavy. And so kind of what we've been talking about, we come to him once a week. We come to him multiple times during the day. We come to him with our little arrow prayers when we're, we're about to do something and we need courage or we need strength or we need wisdom. We come to him when we've experienced a tremendous crisis. And I, I made a joke with my wife. You guys have been so attentive to us in our grief over our son. And we have a, a neighbor who passed away and we were... Uh, Judy was at the store looking for a, a condolences card, and she says, there just aren't any. I said, that's because they're all at my house. <laughs> and you guys have been uh, absolutely amazing in, in stepping around us with that. But in the depths of whatever it is that we're going through, grief or, or fear or loss or crisis, or we're about to attempt some great challenge, it's great to have other people around you, but Jesus has come unto me. And it's in that that I found rest. It's in that that so many that, that I've talked to you about the stuff that you're going through, it's in that that you find rest. And if you're here and you don't know this story at all, let me, let me just say to you that it's a different way of thinking. Because everything that Labor Day was invented to do is what Jesus calls us away from. Rest, fight for your rights as a laborer. Work harder, work smarter. Jesus said, in me you have rest in your spirit. In me you have rest that, that no matter what crisis you're going through, that I have prepared a place. I have gone ahead of you. I will counsel. I will guide. I will comfort. And I can tell you firsthand, he's done all of those things. So if you've never received Christ, if you've never begun to think about this as a way of life, a way of eternity, I would encourage you to do that today. I would encourage if you're watching online and you're, you're observing Labor Day, you're squeezing the last few minutes out of summer, just back away for a minute and think, where am I with God? Where do I want to be with God? Am I trying to impress Him with my own efforts or am I resting in His efforts? Am I trying to to work in order to validate myself or will I receive my validation from him? I would encourage you just to step back for a second. I want to have a time of prayer and it's, I'm going to let there be some awkward silence in it because I really want you to get alone and, and kind of think about the things that we've talked about. But I, I want to have a word of prayer and if if you are thinking, I need that relationship. I, I need to come away to Jesus, but I never have, and I just really don't know how. Please visit our, our folks in the back. They're wearing lanyards or green shirts or whatever, or find one of the pastors in the lobby after the church is, is done, and, and we'll be down here. But just find somebody and say, I want that. And it will open up a, a life of rest with excitement, or you don't have to fear missing out because you'll have it all.
Pray with me. Holy Father, for each of us, I'd ask that in our spirit we can connect with your presence. Help us to know that you're here. God, in every one of us, there's a voice that's screaming at us about how unworthy we are. Let us hear your voice declare that we are worthy because you said we are. Father, in each of us, there is a sense that we have to work harder in order to gain approval, yours and that of others. In this quiet, would you please reassure us that you have done the work of creation and you have done the work of salvation and that we can rest in that. God, would you let each of us look at the week that we've got ahead? Think about the things that are going to go on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, through the week. Would you inspire us to step away with you sometime every day? That we could connect with your creative power, with your saving power, with your guiding, consoling power. That we would receive power that we would choose that day that we will serve you and oddly find strength for the day. God, if there's one here, a man, woman, child, teenager, who doesn't know you, who doesn't know how to come unto you, to lay our burdens on you, to find rest in you. If there's, if there's one who doesn't know or, or something has held back in the past, can this be the day that they come to me at the front after the service or they go in the lobby and find somebody there and have a conversation that says, God, I, I can't do this work anymore. I need a labor day. I need a, a day of resting in you. I need a day where I say to you, I have sinned. I can think of a thousand things in my life that identify me as unworthy. But God, you have put forward this incredible possibility that in you I can be worth something. I can be worth everything. I can be worth eternity. God, what a radical thought that in you I can find rest. And Lord, I pray that if there's someone here who has never done that, that today would be the day that they find that rest. God, you're good. You're good.
and I pray in your name.